previously on the 32 minute podcast i do 95% of the procedures in a single visit i would put calcium hydroxide only in cases which have huge periapical lesions and which i feel that this needs more time for killing the bugs inside the root canal than that one hour appointment that i have given to the patient MTA is used when you want to seal the canals permanently while a calcium hydroxide is an adjunct to your irrigation to kill more bugs at the apical end of the root canal what clamps you use for endodontics basically there are five clamps one i will name them and i'll number them one is 2 and 2 which is for the anterior then you have number 1 for lower premolars number 2 for small to large premolars then you have 12 a which is a tiger clamp and 13 a another tip i would like to give uh, the audience is that uh, they should store the rubber dam sheets in the fridge if you store it outside it might just lose its elasticity mm-hmm. so you should store them in the fridge and that will prolong its uh, longevity all anesthetics have come from the medical field into the dental field but this was specifically used keeping in mind the needs of a dentist if you want to master interligamentary technique you can use that also with articaine again that's the best method uh, to anesthetize single tooth because you know ne- you don't have that numbness of the entire jaw Another uh, tip for all the audiences they need to wait after giving anesthesia. I have seen most of the clinics they don't wait they've given and they are, they start procedure within 2 minutes. I don't know what kind of hurry they are in. So as I continue with uh, Dr. Mayur I would like to add a point in this is it is very important for you to internalize the anatomy in your mind before you actually start the tooth. and hence the importance of x-ray or an rvg for endodontics you don't need long buccal nerve block or a lingual nerve block what you need is a profound inferior alveolar nerve block because those are the nerve endings which are going and as i said we are already blocking the accessory mylohyoid in this episode you look for accessory canals you for example mb2 there are tests which are called as white line test where in the dust of the when you are dropping in that area the dust of the dentine takes you to the canal then you have red line test where in a small bleeding spot around mb1 when you are in accessory canal don't try to use uh, 25 mm length they might be eventually longer no issues on that but when you are probing use something where you can apply pressure firmly uh, with the 21 mm c pilot file because these are thermo hardened files it's very important that you scout before you introduce the rotaries don't try to scout them with the rotaries because you might end up breaking them and mb2 most often in indian population they do join the mb1 If you try and you know hurriedly shape using small rotary files you might just end up breaking in at the junction wherein you can't obturate the MB1 and then MB2 as well so go slow the word to be used here is restrain yourself I've seen people using aerator burrs to find accessory canals and ending up in perforations so my advice to you 
them that if you can't buy expensive ultrasonic tips, what you could use is long shank. You look for mid-mesial when your uh, main canals like MB and ML are very far from each other. If they are very far from each other, then you can trough in the area. And the mid-mesials are those canals, very rarely you will have that one canal ending up as a single canal. For example, uh, in Norway, you, you think that everything will go smoothly, but you don't look at the x-ray very carefully and there are these small multiple pulp stones and you don't get a feeling of drop so you go further down and you end up perforating when there is a perforation bleeding is profuse well in case of a canal uh, the bleeding is not profuse you put a cotton pallet with the hypochlorite it will just arrest so there are many 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 cases wherein you will never get the traditional drop and in those cases, you need to look out for the stones which can be either attached or which can be freely floating in the pulp chamber. This is episode 23 of the 32 minute podcast with Dr. Sanket Seth. I've seen people using aerotid burrs to find accessory canals and ending up in perforations. So, my advice to you them that if you can't buy expensive ultrasonic tips what you could use is long shank the same carbide burrs that i told you number two number four you have long shank number one and number two burrs which you can use them on micro motor and use it at a lower speed and always search for accessory canals after you finish shaping the basic anatomy of the tooth. So, for example, for upper first molars, the advice is not to look for MB2. First, finish MB1 DB palatal. Once you have shaped all these three and have created a deep shape or conservative preparations, then you can use these long shank micromotor carbide burrs and put it on the MB1 and then slowly at a lower speed go towards the palatal aspect in finding the MB2. Do not try to look for an MB2 at the beginning of the procedure. It should be at the end of the procedure. Similarly, for lower uh, premolars, molars, you find accessory canals, mid-mesial, lower central incisors, lateral, they also have many times two canals. So you need to find later on after you shape the main canals first and that would be my advice so this is a economical option that you can use is the long shank micromotor carbide burrs number one and number two because they are smaller in dimension and uh, they can be used to find uh, you know accessory canals and do a good access opening if you don't have access to ultrasonic tips mm-hmm. absolutely uh, another tip uh, that i always give uh freshly passed out graduates who join my clinic uh, is um, angle the burr uh, in the direction of the largest canal opening so that uh, we can prevent perforations just for the beginners because it might be their first molar root canal and you don't want the burr to be angled right in the forcation area because there might be that tactile sensation has a learning curve uh, so just to be on the safer side, if you want to feel that uh, punch, just angle the burr in palatal direction for the upper molars and uh, distal for the lower molars. All right. 
and like sanket said after you've got that uh, drop um is best to use the safe end burst okay so one thing uh, that uh, we have to obviously take into account is do not try and oh you know ignore the intermediate fillings so sub- especially in difficult situations um, like big class 2 lesions uh, don't start doing endo directly uh, you need to have an intermediate filling so how do you go about it you you make a permanent filling and let that filling be or uh, you just do an intermediate like gic which i have started doing i have to confess that before i used to do a permanent filling directly with composite and then probably build an internal core of composite after the obturation process but i have changed that a bit because um, i'm doubting the bonding of composite with composite later on after my root canal gets completed so i am actually doing a gic filling first uh, and then after i finish the obturation i remove everything and i actually give completely new filling uh, altogether so what's the best way to go about this actually i think what your approach is pretty much you know on as per the evidence that is available for doing that so for example you are in a class 2 axis mm-hmm. wherein you have one wall which is broken and uh, for the purpose of placing rubber dam nicely you can build the wall up with gic rm gic or you can use temporary material as well and use that as uh, interim only and then probably go and put the rubber dam and then later on after the endodontics you can use post endodontic restoration remove this particular filling and do a nice contour with the proper metric system and give a nice contour to the tooth and then probably you can do your plan your onlays or full crowns yeah. depending on the tooth situation demands and how the patient's overall hygiene yeah. is in fact um, this what sanket just said is exactly what i am um, i usually do in my practice i've almost stopped giving pfms and my approach is more and more conservative and so the reason why i'm giving gic is because i might probably not go ahead with a composite again after post obturation maybe i'll just remove gp from the coronal uh, 1 mm of each and every canal give rm gic and after that probably i would just go ahead with an emax uh, only and probably not have any uh, composite material um, that's sometimes my approach as well uh, but yes intermediate fillings are so very important especially because the rubber dam clamps have to hold it properly uh but i'm not really a big fan of using temporary material because sometimes the clamps do put a lot of pressure and if that's a very big class 2 cavity we might not realize that the sodium hypochlorite is leaching out from that particular area so yes i do prefer gic over it so how coming on now to the accessory canals uh do you use any specific dyes to help uh, um the people who do not have microscopes and uh, uh how do you actually go about feeling the tactile sensation i mean how are you actually finding it are you probing it or are you using a particular file to find out uh, what is your protocol i'll answer both the questions the first one is do you use dye yes i do have a methylene blue dye which i commonly use but this all i use after shaping the basic main canals oh okay. you look for accessory canals you for example mb2 there are tests which are called as white line tests where in the dust of the when you are troughing in that area the dust of the dentine takes you to the canal 
then you have red line test wherein a small bleeding spot around mb1 tells you that this is a place where you need to search small bleeding spot which yeah, you would yeah. see it under magnification and that's where you probe now with what you probe two things one is dg16 explorer that you use and another is c pilot files which are from vdw 21 mm when you are in accessory canal don't try to use uh, 25 mm length they might be eventually longer no issues on that but when you are probing use something where you can apply pressure firmly uh, with the 21 mm c pilot file because these are thermo hardened files and they are much more stiffer than your normal k files so they will not bend while finding this mb21 once you get into the canal it will take a long time for you to scout an mb2 because it does take time they are very thin they are probably thinner as thin as a single human hair so you know it's very important that you scout before you introduce the rotaries don't try to scout them with the rotaries because you might end up breaking them and mb2 most often in indian population they do join the mb1 uh you know so Uh, if you try and you know hurriedly shape using small rotary files you might just end up breaking in at the junction wherein you can't obturate the mb1 and then mb2 as well so go slow the word to be used here is restrain yourself go slow if you are not able to find an mb2 no problem close the tooth call the patient again for the next appointment and go ahead with the fresh mind and you will find probably the mb2 Mm-hmm. and i believe prevalence of mb2 in, in the indian population especially i think it's higher than 90% if if i'm not wrong i'm not I'm it's not. close to 96% so it's there it's just that it's waiting for you to discover mm-hmm. and uh, you know scout it and mm-hmm. shape it properly yeah yeah that's so important uh, so how does in what place in what location what are the gps coordinates for the mb2 Okay now visualize this thing as this is a podcast i cannot draw but i can make you visualize in your mind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you need to uh, draw a line connecting mb1 and palatal and now from db just drop a perpendicular on that line wherever that intersects is most likely the entrance of an mb2 it can be anywhere between a line connecting mb1 and palatal more towards the center of the tooth not towards the mesial part of the tooth it's more towards the center so you look for the points between the mb1 and the palatal canal in it helps you finding the mb2 all right uh, any other canals uh, that we can expect to find uh, mid mesial i would give us very small tip you look for mid mesial when your a uh, main canals like mb and ml are very far from each other if they are very far from each other then you can trough in the area and the mid mesials are those canals very rarely you will have that one canal ending up as a single canal which you will find it in young population but most often the middle mesial joins either the mb or ml somewhere so you know in a vital case if you end up missing that you would not cause much harm to the patient but if you find it it's always good are there uh, any deceiving situations sometimes i'm not really sure but maybe you have more experience on an rvg it looks like a simple thing but we need to take it a little cautiously yes there are many uh, like for example uh, in rvg you you think that 
everything will go smoothly but you don't look at the x-ray very carefully and there are these small multiple pulp stones and you don't get a feeling of drop so you go further down and you end up perforating so there are many 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 cases wherein you will never get the traditional drop and in those cases you need to look out for the stones which can be either attached or which can be freely floating in the pulp chamber and there you can use a normal ultrasonic tip as well to you know vibrate those out and then mm-hmm. promptly enter the canal because if you don't then it would put a lot of stress on your on your hand files rotary files and they might end up breaking at the shank level itself before you actually go right till the end of the canal sometimes actually i face a situation because of a pulp stone the dentinal map is almost completely not visible so uh, we need to be really thorough where exactly we would be able to find those uh, particular orifices so that's one thing that i wanted to speak about so there's a lot more that we can discuss on this actually um, but we'll keep um, the biomechanical preparation for the forthcoming sessions all right so that's it for uh, these sessions i think sanket we did have a huge amount of uh, knowledge sharing that happened and i'm sure the listeners are going to largely benefit uh, from all your uh, practical tips uh, one last question that i wanted to ask was you mentioned about the small bleeding spot in order to locate the mb2 how does one differentiate that from a perforation well uh, it's a very nice question so uh, again we come back to the uh, original fundamental uh, you know question of diagnosis whether you are entering a vital pulp or a non vital pulp secondly when there is a perforation bleeding is profuse well in case of a canal uh, the bleeding is not profuse you put a cotton pallet with the hypochlorite it will just arrest while in a perforation thirdly what you could do is you can use an apex locator when you are in the canal your apex locator readings will not fluctuate and in a perforation it will be shown as beyond the confines of the tooth so it will keep on beeping going beyond the green zone and it will be in the red zone itself and fourthly when you insert a file in a canal and you move the file there is something called as handle flutter the file will flutter probably like a springboard on a, a swimming pool it's like fluttering that will happen only inside a canal that would not happen inside a perforation so this is the way you distinguish between whether you are in a perforation or yeah yeah actually it's it's so important uh, how much tactile sensation is so, is vital in endodontics because nothing can beat uh, tactile sensation but uh, unfortunately it's something that the freshly passed graduates they have to learn on their own and nobody can help them out so It's just that we can explain in words, but you have to experience that happen, right? So that's it for today's session, uh, Doctor Sanket. It was so nice to have you on the 32-minute podcast. I'll be looking forward to have you for the forthcoming sessions. We have loads of sessions coming up on biomechanical preparations right up till obturation. In fact, my obturation has completely changed because of you. If you believe, I had done one of your courses uh, with Inspire, and um, that actually radically changed the way i did my observation so i'm really looking forward to have you for the forthcoming episodes on the 32 minute podcast thank you dr mayur for the opportunity that is all we have time for in this episode of the 32 minute podcast do check out all our blogs contests events and other episodes on 32minute.com 
If you have questions for any of the speakers interviewed on my podcast or if you are someone who has valuable information or experience that can help the listeners or if you would want me to call a particular guest on my show please mail me on podcast at 32minute.com I'm also open to your suggestions and ideas to make the show more helpful and exciting Don't forget to join our Telegram group for all the updates on our activities on the 32 minute podcast I release an episode every Sunday morning so do subscribe to my podcast to get an alert when I release the next episode Please remember it takes 30 hours of hard work for a single episode on the podcast so if you like the show please leave a review and a rating on my podcast This is your host Dr Mayur Dawda signing off for now I'll meet you in the next episode of my podcast till then keep listening keep learning